Whether you're looking to build a website for your business, your hobby, your podcast, or just for fun, Pair Networks is your go-to web hosting partner. Not only do we have the lowest domain price in the industry, starting at just 11 bucks, we've got hundreds of stunning website templates to help you stand out from the crowd. You're not a techie? Not a problem. With our easy DIY site builders, you can launch your impressive website without any technical know-how. And when it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. P-A-I-R.com. Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 198, inching ever closer to the magical number 200. With me again this week is my buddy, your friend, everyone's favorite Reds analyst, Jason Linden. How are you today, Jason? I am well. I was unaware that I was now everyone's favorite Reds analyst. Um, I have to say it's something I've been waiting for for a long time, and it is much deserved. And I'm glad everyone else finally recognizes my greatness. Oh, you're as humble as you are great, Jason. It's true. I am. Hey, you want to talk about the Cincinnati Reds? Yes, let's. Okay, let's do that. But before we talk too much about the Cincinnati Reds, I want to mention something, uh, Jason. Do you have, go ahead. Do you have, do you have a, a publication of some sort, Chad? I was trying to think how to how to get into it. I really didn't plan that out very well. If about important things from Cincinnati Reds history, can you think of anything that they could read? Well, there's a book that evidently has been shipped a little early from uh, from Amazon.com anyway. I'm not sure from Barnes & Noble, but it's been shipped a, a little early, and it's called The Big 50, The Men and Moments That Made the Cincinnati Reds. And it's just sort of a look back at uh, Reds history, the 50 greatest uh, men and moments. And uh, Chris Garber and I, uh, both uh, Red Leg Nation writers, wrote, wrote a book. And it's for sale, and people are getting in their hands, and we're starting to get some feedback on it. And it's just exceptionally exciting to me, it being my first uh, first book. Uh, really looking forward to people getting a chance to read it. And, uh, and you know, I want to hear what what people think about it. Hopefully, they think good things. We really worked hard on uh, putting it together and trying to make it different than than most of these uh, these books that uh, that are published about uh, you know other teams. And I, I hope we succeeded. Um, I'm excited to find out. Um, will, will you be honest with me, Jason? After you've had a chance to read it, I, I I will be honest with you after I have had a chance to read it. Well, I ask you to be brutally honest, and if uh, we'll talk about it on the podcast, if. You're, if you have good things to say, but if not, you can just tell me privately. <laughs> yes, I've been slightly negligent. My copy is currently on its way to me in the mail. Well, I appreciate you uh, doing that, Jason. Appreciate you getting it. Anyone who uh, wants to go and buy a copy of you can get it anywhere. It's going to be in bookstores as well, um, but you can get it on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Just search for the Big 50 Cincinnati Reds should pull it up, or you can search my name, Chad Dotson. Hey, i got an author page now on Amazon. That's crazy. It's fun. Everything about that is fun. That's all I have to say. It's just delightful, and I'm delighted for you. Well, you've been through this, so I know you can appreciate it. It is. It's a that's an exciting moment when you've actually got that book in your hand, and when we got our, our, our uh, copies, you know, just just holding that book, it was like, wow, this thing finally. It, it's a real book. It's you know, it's a it's a thing. So anyway, I hope people read it. I hope people enjoy it, and uh, go get it. Now, that's enough about uh, books about Reds history. How about we talk about the current version of the Cincinnati Reds? And it seems like the topic of conversation always veers back around this spring to the starting pitching. And this week's going to be no no exception because those are the biggest questions facing this team, to me anyway, this spring. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's impossible not to have questions anytime you're coming off a playoff season wherein you only needed five starters for the whole year. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, that was, what, six years ago? It's not. It's not last year, was it? It was not last year. Tim Adelman started or pitched more innings for the Reds than anyone else. So, um, I think I saw you the other day at RedLegNation.com. Uh, maybe somewhere I saw you put it. Uh, you know, it was uh, the Reds were down to like number twelve on their depth chart. I mean, it was just a a, a disaster of yeah. epic proportions last year that no one could have prepared for. Yeah, people are are big, I guess, on being like, the Reds just handled things terribly last year. And it's just like, (laughs) there's no team in baseball that can handle it well when you're signing, like, 
Asher Wojciechowski off of his couch to come pitch in the major leagues. Like, I mean, really, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Yeah, I know. That's why I said it. Because it's true. Yeah, he was doing nothing. And, and, you know, and and that's not nothing against Asher Wojciechowski. Came in, did the best he could, and and had some good good outings for the Reds. But, But, yeah, when... Just when you're that far down the line, it's just things have gone wrong, and there's there's no there's no right way at that point. Hey, before we get into what's going on this year, though, who was one of those other pitchers that they brought in last year to start start a few games? Uh, Bronson Arroyo. Oh, that's one. That's not who I'm thinking of, though. Uh, oh, oh, I know who this is, but I think you should say his oh. name, Chad. Oh, oh, you want me to say it? I want you to say oh, it. Oh, okay. And so do, frankly, so do our listeners. <laughs> all, all two of our listeners. This one goes out to Amy Editress. Liselberto Bonilla. Oh, man, I wish he were still in the Reds organization. <laughs> um, but the other guy whose name that, uh, to, to transition back to this year, you know, we were hopeful that this year was going to be better in terms of injuries, that the Reds weren't going to have another crazy season like last year. And they, and they still hopefully will not. But this week we got some bad news. Uh, Anthony Di Sclafani, Antonio Di Sclafani. <laughs> Anthony Di Sclafani has an oblique injury. Jason, no timetable yep. for his uh, had an MRI. No timetable for his return. Felt some discomfort in the start. Threw with it and actually pitched pretty well with it. Uh, but had it checked out afterwards, and he's on the shelf, at least until they can see how extensive this injury is. Now, Di Sclafani, you may remember, missed about half the season back in 2016 with a similar injury. Jason. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, anybody who thought, who was counting on on Di Sclafani for a full season of pitching, I think, was kind of deluding themselves a little bit. Um, But, boy, it sure hurts that it's spring training. (laughs) So quickly, so soon. I mean, you know, and yes, I was deluding myself. I was trying to be optimistic. And uh, and part of my, you know, the, the sort of, you know, one, two, three list that I had of things that had to go right for the Reds to maybe possibly be somewhat competitive this year. And, and Anthony DiSclafani being healthy was at the top of that list. And, oh, this is just, and, and you're right. I mean, it's delusional to think the guy's been hurt. Every year, it's delusional to think he's going to be healthy. But man, why did it have to happen right now? And and we don't know. It may not be bad. He may be back soon. But those oblique injuries are are tough. Those seem, yeah. tend to linger if you don't treat them correctly. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's not his elbow. I guess you know, that's something. But that is something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, what what he is is a good pitcher when he's on the field. Um, who is it? Who who am I thinking of? There was a pitcher a few years ago who just, like, whenever he was out there, you know, you were in luck, but he wasn't out there all all that often. I'm trying to think. I don't know. That's the difference. Oh, Rich Harden, that's who I was thinking of. I'm sorry, who? Rich Harden. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and that's the difference between, you know, I'm a big Homer Bailey fan, and I want Homer Bailey to be healthy this year, and I think he's uh, got a chance to be a decent pitcher if he's healthy. He's never going to be the Homer Bailey that he was, probably. But these Sclafani, when he's healthy, he is, I mean, he's like a number two guy, a legit number two guy. Yeah. And not having him in the rotation, I know everybody's like, well, it gives, you know, it's more opportunity for these young guys, and that's good. And sure, that's true, but, and this is a guy that's young himself still, and that with him in that rotation, it's just a completely different look to the rotation because he's a legit sort of top of the line. He's not maybe not an ace, but you know, I think I don't think saying he's a number two starter is overstating it. Do you? No, I don't think so at all. I think when he plays, definitely. Like for like, I don't have any question about that whatsoever. When's he going to play though? Uh, this goes like last time, June. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the fear. I mean, it's that oblique. It's just it's a it's a tough one. And what it makes it even worse is the same day we found out about Di Sclafani, and after everyone's saying, "All right, it's okay, don't you know? Let's not jump off the ledge just yet." We find out that Brandon Finnegan, he leaves his start early, um, and they called it a, a lateral 
forearm strain. Yeah. Which is something I never heard of before. But then they, after the game, he says he's okay, but he says he has a he has a knot in his forearm and that he's having been having discomfort for a week in that forearm. And when I hear forearm, what do I think, Jason? Um, Skip Schumacher. I think Tommy John. Oh. And I don't want to go to that. I mean, obviously, we don't know enough to know it. Yeah. But, oh, my goodness, this really. And, and again, Finnegan is, is one of the young guys that no, no one was really counting on necessarily and, and probably would have been silly to count on him to be healthy this year. But then Di Sclafani and Finnegan back-to-back, and all of a sudden it starts looking like 2017 again. Now talk me off that ledge, Jason. Linda. I was going to out-offer. I was prepared. Are you ready? I am. I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you first a thing that I believe. I believe that Luis Castillo is one of the 10 or so best pitchers in the National League. No, and, I believe that's – I don't think that's overstating it. And I think the Reds can get a full seasons of innings from him uh, based on sort of his past and his projections, and I think they will be fine. I think Sal Romano is at least a league average pitcher, possibly better. And frankly, if it comes to it, I'd rather Sal Romano in the rotation than Brandon Finnegan, if you're just asking me. I did ask you. You did. That's true. So – so, so we got that. I think Homer at this point is going to throw 150-plus average-ish innings, and I think that will be all right. I think Tyler Molly is going to be part of the equation at some point. Tyler Molly, who, knock on wood, has never been injured. Um, I'll talk about injuries here in a second because I did some research, but um, who has never been injured and should be ready to throw a full season, and I think he's going to be an above-average pitcher. And I really think that Amir Garrett is going to surprise some people this year. I am still optimistic about the pitching even. I think if anybody else gets hurt, I'm going to get worried. But I think right now I'm, I'm okay with things. What, you, what I'm hearing is, though, you're saying that, and I don't necessarily disagree, but that at this point they have just enough depth to handle these issues, uh, but we're on the precipice of uh, needing to jump off the ledge. Yeah, one or two more guys go down, and I think he gets ugly pretty fast. Yeah. Well, fortunately, Homer Bailey's going to be healthy all year. We can be sure of that. Let's let's go. You know, we we should be clear. That's true for every team. You know, just like last year, any team loses three out of their top four or so starting pitchers, that's going to be a bad year. That just is. That's what kills me about last year is that it was sort of historically uh, unlucky. And... The Reds, I really think if they'd had some guys, just, just reasonable health. They're close to a 500 team last year. I, I truly believe that. I think the offense was good enough. And if you just have these guys, heck, if just Disclafani was healthy instead of missing the whole year, you're not starting all those other guys. But anyway, let's let's go one by one with the guys that this helps. I think uh, Sal Romano, I mean, he was a league, league average pitcher last year as a rookie. Yep. Um, so, I mean, it's not unreasonable to think that he could do that again this year. It's going to be interesting to see what can happen as the league adjusts to him and how he adjusts to the league. And um, he certainly, a reason why I'm optimistic about Romano is that he did adjust last year and he got better every single time out. Yep. So, so I don't, I don't think you're, uh, I mean, you're off your rocker, but not about Sal Romano. Um, Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett. He's healthy. He's healthy and looking. Awfully good. He is. And, you know, you told us, I guess, two years ago here on the podcast, as you watched Garrett uh, quite a bit in Louisville, um, you were in love with that guy. Am, am, still, I, am I misstating that? The, still the most dominant pitcher I have consistently seen in Louisville. No, no question whatsoever, especially when he was on, for, of which there were long stretches, he was untouchable. He's looking like that guy this spring, except he's throwing even harder. And, yeah. And that makes me think, and again, this is me trying to be optimistic, but, hey, that hip injury, how do you throw hard with a hip injury like he had? Yeah. Um, there's, so there's a there's a logical explanation for why he pitched so poorly at the end of the last year. And, you know, okay, I can see that. All right, so we're optimistic about Romano. We're optimistic about Amir Garrett. Yeah. Uh, Homer's Homer. I mean, I think if Homer – his absolute ceiling is as a number three starter, but I think he, if he can stay healthy, and that's a big if, but so far so good, he's a solid number four starter at the, at, at least, I think. 
Yeah. Um, a four or five guy. He's a, he's a legit starter. He's going to get you some innings if you can stay. He's healthy. a major league baseball player. He's he is a legitimate starting pitcher in the major leagues. Yeah. Uh, Luis Castillo, we don't need to talk about with him. It's just health. Um, and and we've not seen any health problems with him. That that was me knocking on wood. Um, he's just Luis Castillo, and he's just going to be must watch TV every time he pitches. So that's uh, that's four starters, right? Um, Tyler Molly, who Tyler Molly, telling we, you, yeah, no, I know you've been higher on Molly. I've been pretty high on him, but you've been even higher, and and for the for the reason that everywhere he goes, he gets people out, doesn't he? He does. He does do that, and he's doing that this spring. Yep, looking good. Uh, but now he's going to start in AAA. There, it's almost assured that he's going to start. Yeah, in they're going to play right? service time games with him. I think. Yeah, so, kind of like with Nick Senzel, just going to. Keep him down yeah. there a little bit, get that extra year, and, uh, you know, he's still younger than all these guys, so I don't have that much of a problem with it. No, I don't have a huge problem with it. Yeah. But I think I think your September rotation in, involves Tyler Molly. I think, frankly, I think your July rotation probably invo- involves Tyler Molly. I think that's almost guaranteed. Regardless of the health of who's there, I think he works yeah. his way into that mix. Yeah. Okay, so that well, that's, well, that's four or five guys. Well, and here's here's the other thing, okay? Because I did um, an article for Red Leg Nation a while ago where I was just looking at, like, pitcher depth. I, I was thinking about this idea, you know, where the Angels are supposedly going to have a six-man rotation, right? And I was thinking about the, the thing where, I mean, you know, basically for our entire lives, right, they've been trying to figure out how to get pitchers to not get hurt, right? Yeah, why don't they just... But stop getting the pitchers, hurt. Do pitchers get hurt at any less at, 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 at any, any less frequently than they did in the sixties or seventies? No, they don't. They're getting hurt at exactly the same rate. So you know, basically, my my thought was each pitcher, each individual pitcher, basically has a certain number of pitches he can throw every year and stay healthy, and it's different for every guy. So figure out who can throw the most innings and just let them throw. Let them go every four days or whatever. And let them go. And then the guys who are going to be more fragile, use them when they're able to be used. Um, but the in, in the midst of all of that, what I found is that <laughs> the only thing that is even a moderately good indicator of how likely a pitcher is to get hurt is whether or not that pitcher has been hurt before. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that makes sense. In, in which case, you feel pretty good about... Um, Castillo and Molly for sure. And, you know, to a lesser extent, Romano and Garrett, who've had injuries, but not of the like devastating kind, just kind of more nagging injuries that, right. that I think most athletes come across at some point. Um, as opposed to say like a Finnegan or Disclafani who have had serious injuries that have cost them enormous amounts of playing time. Um, so given that, like, I'm much more comfortable throwing those guys out there and believing that they'll be able to go every five days um, than I am a guy who's been hurt two or three or four times already. That makes sense. I mean, I, you know, you're right. It's it's silly to even consider uh, relying on DeSclafani. It's sort of a hope. Hope's not a strategy, I always say, but with those guys, you're sort of just hoping. And and Finnegan, when he's – I mean, he's talented. I mean, this guy's – you know, he was a first-round pick, I guess uh, – you know he's he's got he's got the ability now whether it's as a starter or as a reliever I don't know but uh, he he can pitch but you just you're never going to be able to count on those guys are you no you're not probably let's, yeah let's talk about the other guys that are still I guess making a push in one way or another I'm not sure how seriously uh, Robert Stevenson pitched today he uh, or yesterday or the day before depending on when you listen to this but he did not yeah. pitch well did he. He did not pitch well, and and that's a second or third time he's had a rough outing, and you know it's and it's and all, it's the same thing. He's not throwing strikes. Yep, yep, not when's, throwing strikes. When's he going to throw strikes? Never. Wow, that was a bold statement. I mean, he's been a pro for this is years going to be year seven, and he has never thrown strikes ever. He is a really interesting case study, Robert Stevenson, when you compare him with uh, Tyler Malley, because 
there, I don't think anyone would tell you that Tyler Malley has better stuff than Robert Stevenson. Robert Stevenson, when he when he's throwing strikes on the rare occasion, is just about unhittable. I mean, he blows me away with the, on the on the rare occasions where he's able to get his uh, off speed stuff and even his fastball across for strikes. He's just untouchable. Malley, no one will say that about. No one brags on his stuff that much. But the difference is, and you've pointed it out a bunch of times, yep. everywhere he's been, Tyler Malley has gotten people out. And Robert Stevenson has shown those flashes where he's overpowering, where he's, you know, Bob Gibson. Uh, I don't know why I Here, chose Bob know. Gibson, but. Um, Let me do a crazy comparison. You ready? I'm ready. You ready? Who had better stuff, Nolan Ryan or Greg Maddox? Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. that's a great comparison. And that's that's sort of, well, I'm not really sure I'm ready to call Robert Stevenson Nolan Ryan, but. It works on the same level, essentially, though. Cause, Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, why wasn't Ryan as great as Greg Maddox? Because he never quite figured out how to throw strikes. Yeah. And I don't think Stevenson is Nolan Ryan, as good as his stuff is. Um, I don't think he's Nolan Ryan to the extent that he can cheat with the whole not throwing strikes thing. And so, you know, there we go. There we go. No, I think that's, uh, I mean, that's it. That's it. Malley knows how to get hitters out, and uh, maybe his ceiling is not as high as Stevenson's would be. I think I probably agree with that. But on the other hand, we're getting to the point now where it's time for some results, and and Stevenson's going to get chance after chance because he's got that crazy good stuff. But you know, he keeps having those issues, and it's happened this spring. And I don't see any way he breaks camp with the team, short of uh, you know more injuries, that he breaks the camp breaks camp with uh, Cincinnati and comes east. As a starting pitcher, I think he's destined to be uh, starting in Louisville to begin the I, year. I would agree. I think he's. I, I think, frankly, he is quickly working himself into a bullpen and or organizational depth role. Possibly. I mean, you know, it, it's getting to the point where those decisions are going to need to be made. Yeah. Well, and other guys are going to be coming along, right? Like the Reds have other pitchers who are developing. Yeah. Yeah. They, then, they don't. They don't stop. They keep coming. Other guys want that job. And Stevenson is not, he's not 21 anymore. I mean, not to write his epitaph already, but there's a whole, there's a big difference between being 25 and being 21 right. as we're, a professional baseball player. Yeah, we're not arguing that it's time to give up on him, but, no. you know, at some point, you know, you, you've, you've got to put the numbers up. And, and yep. Malley may not be able to do that on the big league level. He did last year in, the, in his short uh, stint in the big leagues, but he's done it everywhere else he's been. And if I were going to bet the ranch on one of them, despite the fact that Stevenson has that great stuff, it's not on Stevenson. Nope. Tyler Mallow is the next Greg Maddox. <laughs> one can hope. No, no, no I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, this is, this is a fact. A, a, uh, about probably, I think, 13-year-old or so, Jason once said that about Brett Tonko. <laughs> well, he wasn't wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was wrong. the other guy that i think is interesting for a lot of reasons in this uh starting pitching competition because they've said he's in the he's in the race for it but i've never really been sure that the reds have really intended to give michael lorenzen a real shot at winning a spot in the rotation i think they'd like him in the bullpen and which i understand but you know what lorenzen had one bad game and it was really really bad but he's been he's been good Every other time that he's pitched, I mean, uh, really good. At what point do the Reds say, "Hey, he's you know," I mean, he's a big leaguer either way. Yeah, he's either starting or he's in the bullpen. I mean, if he can be a good starting pitcher and they are seeing the things from him that they need to see, um, all right. I mean, I haven't paid too much close attention. I would be really interested to know what his velocity has been. Um, as a starting pitcher, um, yeah, I, I mean, if he can, if he can do it, then, then, then cool. Great. And give him a shot. Um, we'll, we'll see. That's, yeah. that's kinda all I can say is we'll, we'll see. It's, it's right. such an unknown quantity for me. Um, but I can see, I mean, I can see giving him a shot, especially, you know, in the interest of like depth or whatever with these couple of injuries, maybe give him a month in the rotation and see how he's doing. And if he's not 
then, you know, call up Tyler Molly or Amir Garrett or whoever you've decided to send down and be your number one starter at AAA. And, and bu- uh, bump into the bullpen. What's the harm? Yep. I-, I see no harm in it. You know, uh, he pitched a B game in one of his uh, outings. So I don't, and I don't know what the stats are for that, but the, the other four outings, I think 11 strikeouts, two walks. And again, small sample size. We didn't know, yeah. Let's not, let's not look at the stats, but it just, he's throwing strikes. He's striking guys out. Um, and with the exception of that one outing has been effective. So again, you know, I don't know with him, maybe the stats are a little more, uh, I look at him a little bit more than some of these other guys, because I don't know what he can do as a starter. But it's going to yeah. be interesting as he starts to, uh, you know, sort of stretch his arm out. I think he threw three innings in his last outing. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, my my approach with spring stats is that if I feel like a guy is trying to win a job, I look at him a little bit. Or if I feel like a guy is particularly working on something, um, then I look at the thing that I feel like he's working on. Like, you know, not to go down this road too far, but... The f- fact that Billy Hamilton has yes. managed to walk a little bit this spring is encouraging. I don't really give a crap about his batting average. I assume his batting average will be what it's always been. Um, but if he's showing patience at the plate in a way that he maybe hasn't before, then that's encouraging. Exactly. That's the guy I was going to use as a as an example. Uh, Billy Hamilton has been very, you know, it's, everyone knows he's been working on strike zone and, and recognizing pitches and, and being more patient. And he's not been hitting, but, you know. There's not that he's ever hit very well, but at least you right. can, there's a reason there. You can see that he's working on things. Um, so, and a guy like, you know, say Cliff Pennington, you know, he's trying to win a job. You probably want to look and see what he's doing. Uh, four for 23. Uh, <laughs> um, but Lorenzen, I just don't know. I, I hope they don't close the door on his, unless there's some reason that, that Brian Price and, and Reds management has why they don't think he can be a starter. I hope they don't close the door on just yet. I'd love to see them uh, have him be the you know, number five starter when they need a fifth starter. You know, you keep him in the bullpen the first week or two, then you need a fifth starter. It's Michael Lorenzen, and if he does well for the first couple months, then okay, you got a starter. If not, what's the harm? You bump him back to the bullpen, you got another live arm in the bullpen. I, that, that's why I've never understood well, the Reds' lack of willingness to, to try Lorenzen as a starter because – I see it as a you know no lose scenario. And the one thing the Reds did this this off season was go out and sign some some sort of reliable relievers, right handed relievers. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if if they're ever if they were ever to try at the beginning of right of this season is the time to do it. Yeah. Like if you're going to do it, do it. And if not, then I think it's time to close the book on that chapter. And I've never really. And first of all, Lorenzen has been very vocal that he wants to start. I've never felt like the Reds were really serious about it. But with these injuries, even if uh, Di Scalfani is not really hurt uh, that much, he's not going to be ready for opening day. They've already said so. Hey, maybe this is an opportunity to just extend his uh, trial period as a starter. And you know, maybe some people think that will hurt his ability to go back to the bullpen. I don't see it. You know, just if he doesn't work out, he's still got to. A potentially quality reliever. So, anyone else in that mix? I'm trying to think. Who am I forgetting? Uh, I know the guy um, that I wanted to get into it uh, into the mix. He has not. Uh, anyone, who are you going to say? No, I thought I was thinking I, for a second. I was thinking about Stevenson, but we talked about Stevenson. Um, the guy I really wanted to get into the the mix because he's another guy that I just think has some electric stuff when he's on. Oh, he struggles with strikes. And that's Cody Reed. And I just, Oh yeah. Cody Reed. I'm afraid we're to the point where Cody Reed is on the verge of being consigned to the bullpen full time. I hope not yet. He's still young, but I think we're getting close. A left-handed arm. I don't know. Any thoughts about Cody Reed? Uh, it just depends on if he can get it together or not. I mean, he's, um, I'll say again, when he was on, he was the second best pitcher behind Amir Garrett that I've seen. When he, um, when he was on. Yeah. In in Louisville, at least. Um, and he definitely had better minor league results than, say, Stevenson ever had. Um, but boy, last year was just a dumpster fire for Cody Reed, um, wherever he pitched. I mean, you know, he, he, he was down in Louisville. He started 20 games in Louisville and walked five batters per nine innings. Yeah. Um, and, and he... His surface numbers, his ERA and stuff, were good there for a while, but he was just walking guys, and just his peripherals were awful, even when he was doing otherwise well. Yeah, yeah, you just can't do that. And so it's, I don't know, I mean, we'll see. 
He's got, I don't think anybody doubts that he has the stuff to succeed and he has to some extent had the results, but not in the majors. Um, you know, ever since the Reds called him up, frankly, you know, at a time that I think was a reasonable call up. Yeah. Um, in 2016, you know, there, he was, wasn't showing that Louisville was holding him back at all. It's just been, it's been a disaster. Um, there's no other way to put it and we'll see, we'll see if he can get it together. Hopefully he can. And he didn't get a legitimate shot last year. I would like to see the Reds give him a few more starts at the major league level with all the injuries. But on the other hand, I mean, it's not like he went down to triple A, like you were saying, and, yeah. and, and dominated. He's just a different pitcher. I don't know if it's got in his head. I don't know, but. Now we're looking at this spring, and uh, again, let's not make too much over eight and one-thirds innings. But, you know, um, he struck out seven and only walked two, but hitters are uh, hitting three eighty nine against him, opposing hitters. So, again, let's not make too much of that. But I was hopeful that he would sort of show his old dominant self a little bit and maybe work his way back into that mix, and it's just not happened. Yeah. Oh, let's look at the – I'm looking down these line of pitchers here, and uh, – can't think of anyone else to talk about. What's his name? Tanner Rainey, I think is his name. You seen that guy? He threw 99 today. Oh. That was pretty good. I, I yeah. That was, that's, that's a fast baseball. <laughs> yeah, there's no one else really in the mix. I'm looking down the list here. I don't see really anyone else in the mix. So I guess really the biggest beneficiaries of the Finnegan and DiScalfani injuries are probably going to end up being Amir Garrett and maybe ultimately uh, Tyler Molly. Or maybe maybe Michael Lorenzen. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of a lot of decisions to make. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Well, we will we will find out very soon. Um, you heard of this guy Joey Votto? I've heard of him. Yeah, he's hit. He's betting 080 this spring. Mm-hmm. He's probably done. Well, he's you know at his age. What do you, what do you expect? I'll tell you what, what I expect, Chadwick. <laughs> Let's hear it. This is my – here, you ready for it? I'm ready. This is my official Joey Votto slash line prediction for 2018. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm, I'm hoping that one of these numbers is 1,000. Uh, 310. <laughs> 310, that's good. It's good batting average. 460. <laughs> that's a – Pretty good on base percentage, and I'm going to say five. Oh my gosh! At age, you know, sixty-eight. Is he sixty-eight now? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not a single person in America, whether it's uh, someone who believes in advanced analytics or not, there's not a person in America that would take the you know the under on that. I bet you just because Joey Votto can do whatever he wants to do. He really can. I'm just I'm just assuming for the record that he's going to value on base percentage over slugging percentage. Right. But if he decides to hit home runs, he'll hit home runs. He'll just respond to the league and do what he needs to do. You know, the truth of the matter is I really feel like he could do whatever he wanted to do. If he, yeah. wanted, to hit, if he wanted to hit 40 home runs next year, I truly believe he could hit 40 home runs. This is what I – I honestly believe this about Joey Votto. This is what I think he actually does. I think he looks at the league. I think he looks at the conditions, like, you know, how far is the ball carrying this year and so on and so forth. And I think he then looks at his own game, decides what he can do, and then does the thing that provides the most value. You know, there was a good uh, interview with him. Eno Saris of TheAthletic.com did a good interview with him there last week, I think it was, the week before. And that's exactly the sense you get, is that he's just so you know, so thoughtful, is the way I, I guess I would put it. You know, he really thinks about this stuff and uh, and and has sort of a game plan to do whatever he thinks will help him be the most productive player. And I, I'm sure other people do that. I'm sure there are other players that do that. But it just it's it's baffling to me how he can drill it down so much to where I'm gonna you know I'm gonna work on I'm gonna work on uh, swinging at more strikes and not swinging when it's not strikes or uh, swinging and missing less like he did. It's just uh, and. He, well, while we're on Joey Votto, can can I just talk about Joey Votto for a minute just because he's wonderful? And, I mean, you know, <laughs> some, we just spent half an hour talking about pitching injuries, so let's be happy for a minute. Some, someday you and I are going to do a full podcast, nothing but Joey Votto. But, but go ahead and, and do your Joey Votto aside here. So, as I think everyone, if there is someone on this podcast who doesn't know that I tweet about Joey Votto a lot, I don't understand <laughs> how those two uh, 
at Jason Linden on Twitter. Go go check out Coffee and Vado. Um, but um, just I so I spend some time sitting a lot of time sitting around playing with stats and and whatnot regarding Joey Votto. And I was just thinking about how great he's been the last three years, which is, you know, basically his years, his 31, 32, and 33 seasons. And I was like, well, okay, let's go, let's go play with some stuff. And all time in, in, in baseball history, Joey Votto from ages 31 to 33 is 16th. And I'm just, I'm just going to read like, I don't know, the top 20 names out loud here right now, because it's just, it's worth it, all right? Hit, best hitters ever in baseball, ages 31 to 33. Yo, what, Babe, on, I'm sorry, what are you judging this by? Oh, uh, W Runs Created Plus, which okay. is basically just OPS adjusted for era. Right, yeah. Is really all it is. Yeah, it's, it's a way otherwise, to, it's not fair, because 60s happened and all that stuff. It's a way anyway. to compare players across eras. It's a good, right. good metric. Yes. So, uh, Babe Ruth, Rogers Hornsby, Lou Gehrig, Mark McGuire, Willie Stargell, Willie McCovey, Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, Honus Wagner, Frank Robinson, Joe Morgan, uh, Ted Williams, Mike Schmidt, Frank Howard, Sammy Sosa, then there's Joey Votto, oh, and then goodness. under Joey Votto, here are a scattering of the names who didn't hit as well as Joey Votto did during these seasons. Harmon Killebrew, Mickey Mantle, Stan Musial, Oh my goodness. Uh, Hank Aaron, uh, Ty Cobb, Alex Rodriguez, recently elected Hall of Famer Jim Tomey. Like, yeah, that's. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I've got a single tear streaming down my cheek right now. Oh, that's just gorgeous. And it's, yeah. These are the people that he's in, the, in company with. Yes. And it's why if the Reds can just get their act together, there's a reasonable hope that he's going to continue to be Joey Votto for a few more years and can help the next good Reds team. And and, and he deserves it. Yeah. I yes. But he's yes, betting yes. but he's betting 080 this spring. <laughs> right. So probably his life is over. <laughs> probably. Uh you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the pitching. We can always spend some time talking about Votto. The one guy that I really wanted to talk about just very briefly, because this is interesting to those of us that listen to podcasts about the Reds and talk about the Reds every day. And it's this guy, Dilson Herrera. You know, Dilson Herrera came over to the Reds in the Jay Bruce trade. We all remember him. We all love Jay Bruce. And Dilson Herrera is a good player. Dilson Herrera has had an injured shoulder since before the Reds traded for him, and it has not gotten better since the Reds, uh, since he's been with the Reds. And again, this spring, he can't play in the field. Because his shoulder. And so this was his last year. He had no more options. He came up as a 21-year-old. He had no more options. And um, the Reds announced this week that he they, they got him through waivers. Nobody else claimed him. And I guess there's two ways to look at it. One way is, oh, good, the Reds get to keep him. They can take him off the 40-man roster and uh, you know let him get healthy. The other way is the Reds traded Jay Bruce for a kid who could be the starting second baseman right now, but who no other team wanted to take a flyer on. He was on waivers and no other team put a claim in on him. How should we be looking at this Dilson Herrera thing? Because the guy can hit, but I mean, what do we think about him? You know, I'll, I'll say this. I think, you know, lots of trades like hindsight 2020 and all of that. Like I think at the time it was a solid trade. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. He can hit. We'll see. I mean, you know, they're doing the like, well, you know, it's just, uh, it's just, you know, him recovering from the surgery still. And if that's the case, you know, great. But you know, the thing I don't get, like, I understand how shoulder injuries can derail the careers of pitchers. Like I get that. Right. But as a second baseman, like you're not throwing the ball a hundred times a game and you don't have to throw it 97 miles an hour. Like how bad does it have to be for you to not be able to like field your position, I guess is my question. Um, and so I, you know, I, I don't know is the answer and we'll see, but it's, it's getting hard to be optimistic about this Dilson Herrera. I, it's probably about where we were with this Devin Mezzarocco a year or so ago, where you're just kind of like, I don't know. I'm afraid that's the case. And, you know, I was hopeful. If he could stay healthy, he's a legit backup at second base 
and third base this year. He's not a great third baseman. He's never going to be one, but he can yeah. be back up there. And that's a guy that can help the team that can hit. And if he's really healthy and they can find a buyer for Scooter Jeanette, maybe he's the second baseman or at least the stopgap second baseman until, you know, shed long or somebody comes along. Now, yep. I just, I don't, I don't know what to think about him. It really sort of bothers me that it's to the point now where no other team wants to take a flyer on him because he's, this is like the fourth straight season that he's had the same shoulder problem. Yeah. Jason, come on, man. He was, I, yeah. He was supposed to be the second baseman of the future. Well, he's he, only, he and he and, and Jose Peraza. Yeah. Well, they're both what? 24 this year? 20, yeah, they'll be 24 this year, both of them. Yeah, yeah. And they both hit the big leagues at age 21, which is hard to do. You got to be good to hit the big leagues that young. Yeah. And now. And, boy, I just, I don't know. I just, I I don't have a good answer for it. It's just, you know, it's, it's killer is, is all that it is. It is. It's just disappointing. But I don't know. Hopefully he finds it. Hopefully he gets it together. Uh, I suspect. I, I think this is probably the make or break year, year for Herrera. Frankly, if he's able to get healthy again and get on the field and play, uh, then I think he probably carries forward in some role or another. Uh, if not, I think it we're getting into the you know cut bait. Yeah, time. no, no. This is going to be the year where we know whether he's going to be a big leaguer. Yep, frankly. And in terms of any chance of ever being a starter, a regular starter in the big league level, he's it's and he's young. I don't want to give up on him, but I mean, at some point, he's going to have to be healthy and earn that spot. And he's always hit when he's been healthy. Yep. But he's never healthy. Yep. So, all right, just let me scan down what the what's going on in the uh, in spring. Hey, this Jesse Winker, you heard of that guy? I have heard of him. He's doing well. Yeah, four twenty four on base percentage this spring. Uh, and, you know, there's somebody who, who probably needed to come out and make a statement, frankly. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as as well as he played last year, it was kind of one of those deals where he played just little enough that you could you could throw this like sample size stuff around. And mm-hmm. but, yeah, no, his uh, his spring OPS is a thousand. So, right. yeah, it's time to make sure that Jesse Winker plays every day. Yeah. He's doing the same things he did when he came up last year. He needs to be in right field and starting. We need, you know, I've been saying 500, 550 at bats. I want 600 at bats for Jesse Walker. Yeah, um, agree. The other guy that's in that mix, though, he can he can have a day off every now and again against tough left-handed pitchers. Yeah, let's not throw him to the wolves against Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, early in his career, give him a chance to uh, learn. But you know, the other guy that's in that outfield mix uh, that is acting like he doesn't want to give up his spot. Scott Shebler, you know, he's in 480. 517 on base. And again, these are all tiny sample sizes. I'm not suggesting that, you know, anything other than it's a guy that's acting like he wants to hit a home run today, another home run today, uh, acting like he wants to hang on to his job. Yeah. What about that other guy, Duvall? He's not doing that bad either. Right? He's doing, he looks exactly like Adam Duvall, which yeah. is to say he's not getting on base very much, but he makes the ball go far sometimes. He hits the ball hard. Yeah, so. I don't know. I don't know. Have you seen anything this spring, Jason, to make you more optimistic or less optimistic about the Reds' uh, ability to, I don't want to say compete, but at least be competitive in 2018? Uh, I mean, I'll say I'm overall more optimistic. The Nick Senzel at shortstop thing has to make you more optimistic. Um, The way Amir Garrett has come out, um, you know, I was really starting to doubt Amir Garrett at the end of last year, but, you know, all of the injury revelations and all of that stuff and the way he's come out this year – um, I, you know, uh, I, I am reassured and I find that, uh, cause to be hopeful. Um, I was kind of expecting something with, with Disco and Finnegan. So that, I don't think that knocked me for a loop the way it seemed to knock some other people. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I think, I still think that, I, I think that we should be looking for a 500 season this year. Um, and you know, people think I'm ridiculous when I say that, by the way, but I just want to like I want to point something out, which is that um, let's just take Luis Castillo for instance, right? Yes, please, let's take him. A full season of Luis Castillo against a full season of Bronson Arroyo and Asher Wojciechowski. That's like six wins of improvement right there, at least, if not more. 
So they were a 68 win team last year, and now they're a 75 win team. You know, right? And so from there to, to 500 is really not that big of a leap. It's really just if the pitching can manage to not be a disaster, then I think they're a pretty solid team. And if it is a disaster, well, that's going to suck for everybody. Yeah, I mean, you need the young pitchers to take the step forward that you think they should be able to at this point in their career. And then, but to me, the, the chances of a 500 season, in my opinion, is going to hinge largely on what we find out about Anthony DiSclefani in the next week. I mean, I, I just think having him in the mix just really changes because then you've got two guys at the top that are legit, and then you know some of these young guys are going to work out, and I think you can you can sort of cobble together a rotation that can be competitive. Without Anthony DiScalfani, I'm I'm nervous. I'm really nervous about the season. There's Jason. a lot that you don't feel as good about the depth without him. I will say that a lot more things have to go right. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree with that. But I I am still hopeful. I still hope. Well, I guess that's the only thing we've got sometimes uh, as fans of the Cincinnati Reds National League Baseball Club. Hope. Uh, I, you you want to hear some a uh, reason why I have some hope? I do. I'm happy to be optimistic here. You know, I've been saying for a while a couple things. First of all, my opinion of Brian Price, the Reds' intrepid manager, my opinion of him is going to be largely determined by how he, where Billy Hamilton and and Jesse Winker are batting on opening day. And, you know, everybody's been yelling about Billy Hamilton batting leadoff all spring. And, you know, okay, whatever. And I've made the case, well, you know, there's a pretty good chance that, and we've, we've talked about it on the podcast here, Billy Hamlin is leading off because Brian Price not just has to figure out the right lineup for the Reds in, in, in the regular season, but he's got to manage these personalities and these egos and these actual human beings that are in his clubhouse. And I said, it's not unreasonable to think that even if he, in the back of his mind, Billy Hamlin's not his leadoff hitter for all the obvious reasons. Um, it, it didn't, it, it made sense to me that he might still bat him lead off at the beginning of spring training. Billy Hamlin says he wants to lead off. Um, and I said, let's wait and see what happens throughout the spring. Let's see how, you know, and Price has said several times, eh, he's not guaranteed to be the leadoff hitter. Well, this past week, we saw something that really made me optimistic, which is um, Jesse Winker was leading off. Nick Senzel was batting second. And Billy Hamilton was batting eighth. And Everyone should know at, by this point that I'm as big a Billy Hamilton fan as anyone. I think he can be a real asset to this team. He just needs to be batting near the bottom of the lineup. And you can justify having him on the team and in the lineup uh, almost every day. So when I saw that, I thought, hey, you know, hey, maybe I was right here. Maybe maybe he's just sort of slow playing it. And uh, I don't know. It was, just, it was encouraging to see Winker Senzel Votto at the top of the lineup with uh, Hamilton at the bottom. Um Winker Senzel Votto. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds beautiful, Chad. It does. So um, so maybe Brian Price isn't as much of a lost cause as everyone seems to think. Maybe? Possibly? I mean, we'll see. Yeah, we'll uh, see. You know, we'll see. You know, every once in a while. If... Billy Hamilton, I think the statement needs to be made, and barring something crazy, needs to not lead off on opening day. If Billy Hamilton leads off every great once in a while, you know, whatever, um, you know, it's fine. <laughs> right. No, I, if it's, if, if it's an everyday thing, then it's problematic. I agree. I agree. Let's just, please don't. <laughs> but he has been leading off much less of late. Yeah. It's, it's been like, sort of like we were talking about, you know, he just, uh, been tapering off. It's been tapering off a little bit. And I think again, we sort of forget, we want the right lineup every time. But we forget these are real people. Yeah. And, and and Brian Price needs to, you know, figure out how to manage all of them. And I don't know whether he does it well or not. I'm not behind the scenes. But, uh, you know, it's going to be once opening day gets here and the games really count, it's going to be fascinating to see how he uh, sort of fiddles with his lineup. And then once Nick Senzel comes up to see where he is and see how he plays Jesse Winker, how much and where in the lineup. Oh, there's there's a lot to be interested in. Uh, as a Reds fan this year, even if we don't expect them to go to the World Series just yet. Yep. That's, that'll wait until 2019. Exactly. Well, I, you know what? I can wait one more year for a World Series, if it means we're going to have a, a run of, like, I don't know, three World Series in five years or something like that. Yeah, that's reasonable. It's completely I'm not... reasonable. I'm not unreasonable at all. 
No, not at all. <laughs> Jason, you're too optimistic, buddy, and I love it about you. I do what I can do. <laughs> uh, again, we say this over and over. Why even fool with baseball? If you can't, try to you know have some fun with it. It's a diversion. It's not to 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 me. It's not real life. You know, to you, it's not real life. Um, to Joey Votto, it is. But uh, you know, it's a it's a diversion. And I hope it makes people want to buy books. But other than that, you know, have some fun with it. Hey, speaking of fun and books, the Big 50, the yes. men and moments that made the Cincinnati Reds by uh, Chad Dotson, great writer, that guy, and Chris Garber, even better writer, forward by Marty Brenneman, the voice of the Red Legs. Ooh la la. Uh, he was really kind to uh, to do the, the forward for us and... Uh, Really appreciate that. Uh, go buy, go buy the big fifty. Everybody out there, please, for me. And if you like it, as I always say about the podcast, if you like it, you know, talk about it. But if you like it, go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble, wherever, and leave us one of those nice reviews. Because um, the more five star reviews we get, uh, I don't know. The publisher says it's a really good thing for whatever reason. So if you liked it, give us a five star review. If you didn't, same thing as the po- I say with the podcast. Just keep your mouth shut. You don't have to tell anybody that. Nobody needs to know it. Jason, anything else about the Reds we need to talk about today? I got nothing. I got nothing, Chad. I think we're good. Well, I don't believe that you've got nothing. I believe if I pushed you on it, we could go for another hour. Probably. I mean, (laughs) go for an hour just on the beauty that is Joey Votto. Let's be realistic. We're going to do that someday. We're going to do a podcast. It's all Joey Votto. Put that on your radar, man. This is Red Leg Nation Radio, episode number 198. You can follow us uh, at redlegnation.com every day where we're talking about the Reds and have been since uh, 2005, which is hard to believe. You can follow Jason at Jason Linden on Twitter. I'm at Dotson C. We're at redlegnation. Or at redlegnation on Twitter uh, every day following these Reds and talking about them. And appreciate you talking to us and uh, responding to us. And we try to uh, engage a little bit because uh, there's nothing we like more than talking about the Reds. You can find Red Leg Nation Radio the official podcast of redlegnation.com, wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, any of those places. We're there. And, uh, again, as I say just about every week, I try to say I really appreciate the fact that you download, listen to us. Uh, you got a lot of things you could be doing, and you're spending it with us, and we really appreciate that. We enjoy it. Jason, buddy, always good talking to you, my friend. You too, Chad. For Jason Linden, this is Chad Dotson saying... So long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether you're looking to build a website for your business, your hobby, your podcast, or just for fun, Pair Networks is your go-to web hosting partner. Not only do we have the lowest domain price in the industry, starting at just 11 bucks, we've got hundreds of stunning website templates to help you stand out from the crowd. You're not a techie? Not a problem. With our easy DIY site builders, you can launch your impressive website without any technical know-how. And when it comes to security and updates, don't worry, we've got you covered. Our 24-7 U.S.-based customer support is the best in the industry. Check out Pair.com today to learn more. P-A-I-R dot com.